Well, hi, welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than those around us. And this episode, I am gonna be talking about prayer. Now, if you're a part of Life Bible Fellowship Church right now, you know that this is a subject that we are focusing on. Um, When this is posted, we will have just had our fall kickoff and just launched into a six-week series on prayer and specifically focusing on the Lord's Prayer. Um, We have launched out a new area on our campus and new information um, and leaflets that we have that are just guiding us in some ways that we lean into prayer. So it's a big focus right now. And so I wanted to take an episode to talk through our emphasis on prayer and to talk through specifically, not just sort of what's going on at LBF Church, but how can we approach God in prayer? Um, It's our belief that we pray to experience union with God. And there's a lot that goes on in prayer, but the primary way reason that we pray is not because we need to get information that we know and God doesn't know to him. God knows everything. The primary reason that we pray is to experience union with God. And it's this weird thing with prayer where we, we all know we should be doing it more, and even we, we want to have that closeness and togetherness with God. Uh, most of us are not close to where we think we should be in this area. Um, none of us in, there's probably no area of life that any of us feel like I am exactly where I should be. But for most of us, the the gap between where we are and where we feel like we should be with prayer, for, for most of us, it's large. It's a large gap where we feel like I'm, I'm nowhere near where I'm meant to do. Some of you listening to this, that's probably not the case. You, you, you may feel like I, this is a really rich prayer life that I have. Um, not that it can't be improved, but but for most of us, that gap is huge. And so one of the things that we're looking to do is we're, we're looking to break down walls that keep us from praying more. And one of the things that we get into, especially in non-liturgical churches like ours, is that we're very nervous to give any structure to prayer because we're afraid that what's going to come across is this is the exact way that you need to pray and it'll be legalistic and people will feel it as a deep burden. Um, The danger on the other side of that that I think we're less aware of is that we often give no guidance. We basically tell people like, hey, just go out and pray. And hey, it doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter your posture. doesn't matter what time it is. Just sort of do it and figure it out. Just talk to God. Now, for some people that might feel liberating, for most people that I've encountered, that feels paralyzing. It, it is sort of too much. It's like, well, gosh, help me a little bit. I don't know what to do. And then I get highly distracted and I don't have sort of a, a pattern to follow. What, what do I do with this? Um, In Matthew 6, Jesus gives us what we typically call the Lord's Prayer. It's Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, and it's what we're going through in our series right now at LBF Church. Um, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer not as a mantra, not as a script, but as a model and as a pattern. And so here's what I want to do in this podcast episode. I am just going to walk through sort of the five stages or the five steps in the Lord's Prayer. Um, five sermons we're going to have in, uh, on the Lord's Prayer during the series that we're doing at LBF Church are going to follow this. Um, but I just want to do one podcast episode just to sort of walk this through so that if you are looking for a model or a pattern for prayer, saying, what, what is sort of a structure that I can have that will help me, will, will help facilitate my connection with God? Maybe just in the same way that um, if you were hanging out with one of your kids and you were wanting to have a really 
meaningful sort of Christ-centered time with them that you might have a book or you might have a study that you sort of use as a structure to be able to spend that time for us to say this isn't meant to be a mediator between us and God where we need this in order to get to God but just a pattern, just a structure that helps us to be able to connect our hearts with God. So this will be hopefully simple and straightforward, just five movements, five elements to our prayers that we can gain from the Lord's Prayer. Um, and the first element that we can gain is that when we pray, we reflect on God's character. The Lord's Prayer starts by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's this really beautiful thing when you think of those elements that are all part of that first movement. Our Father, the closeness and nearness with God that we have through what Jesus has done for us, that we have access to the Father. He is our Father. He's not just God. He's our Father. But also, He's our Father in heaven. He is great, and He is almighty, and He knows everything, and He can do anything. So we're praying to somebody who loves us deeply and has proven His love, and also someone who can do all things. And then that hallowed be your name is the opportunity for us to reflect on just how holy and how amazing God is. Uh, I think one of the reasons why we don't pray more is that we haven't really grasped the privilege that we have in praying. Um, so here's what I want you to imagine. Uh, imagine that you got the opportunity um, to spend time, spend an afternoon maybe with your favorite celebrity. You know, it, it could be an actor, a musician, an athlete, um, an author, just somebody that you would say like, wow, that, uh, somebody that you're a little bit starstruck by, if you're honest, that you're like, that, that would be a big deal. Um, you know, for, for me, let's say, you know, because I'm a sports fan, let's say it's Magic Johnson. You know, I, I get an opportunity to spend an afternoon with Magic Johnson. Um, here's what I, what I want you to know. Here's what would not be going through my mind if I was able to spend an afternoon with him. What would not be going through my mind is anything about me. I would not be thinking about what I'm wearing or what I'm doing later. I would not be impressed with myself. All I would be thinking about was him. And what he's done and what was it like with that baby hook against the Celtics that helped win the 1987 finals? And what was it like as a rookie in 1980 when you were a center and Kareem was out? And all of these different things. I would be focused on the fact that I was with him. We are with God. And we tend to spend very little time just taking in the, the amazing fact that we are with God. We are with the one who spoke and things came into existence. And that means that when we come to him with our burdens and our prayers, he can speak into existence answers to those prayers. And we're also coming to the one who loves us so deeply that he sent his beloved son to die a torturous death for us. When we're praying, it's wise for us, and Jesus points us out, it's wise for us to spend some time just reflecting on God's character out loud to him, or at least in our hearts to him, remembering what he's done and celebrating that he's actually listening to us in these prayers. So number one, reflect on God's character. Number two, yield to God's priorities. The next movement in the Lord's Prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And part of the beauty of this is that most of us, when we do pray, 
Um, most of our prayers tend to be filled with requests. Um, th this isn't necessarily a terrible thing. In fact, the Lord's Prayer, in many ways, it is all requests. That This section is requests. Your kingdom come is asking God to bring about his kingdom. Your will be done is asking God to bring about his will on earth just as it is in heaven. Even when we pray, um, hallowed be your name, that's a request. That, that's a request for God to do something, for God to sanctify his name and spread his fame throughout the community and the church and the world and all of that. So requests are not bad, but typically what we seem to do is we go to God with our priorities and with our agenda. And Jesus invites us to instead focus our attention on his agenda and yield to his priorities. And when we're yielding to God's priorities, we also get to do that in, in the sense of recognizing that his priorities are for our good. Um, sometimes we can think, well, it, it would be the best if God would just do what I wanted him to do, you know, the cosmic genie idea. But then we say, but God doesn't do that, so we sort of have to adjust and just accept the idea that he doesn't do that. Well, what we get to do is even better than that because we get to trust that whatever God is doing, it is for our good in a greater way than what we would ask for would be for our good. So when we're going to God, we're yielding to his priorities. We're, we're a little bit like actors in a movie. And instead of showing up and saying, well, how can I sort of, you know, take up as much screen time as I can? And how can I sort of make my character as important as possible? that we're going to the director and we're saying, what, what is your vision for the scene? And how can I serve the greater purpose of making this film something great? We are going to God and we are remembering that, that we are bit players in a much bigger drama and the drama of God unfolding his light and his kingdom and his will to a world that desperately needs it. So we focus on God's character, we reflect on his character, we yield to God's priorities. Number three, we ask for God's provision. Give us today our daily bread. And, and this is, this one in some ways is the most accessible because we kind of feel like, all right, here's where I ask for things. Um, but it's also in some ways the most confusing because there's so many of us today that are not living with the, the true concern that we might not eat today or tomorrow. Most of us have full refrigerators and most of us have pantries with all kinds of food. We have grocery stores all around. So, so the concept of living for our daily bread or asking God for that, that this is a reference, as, as a lot of you will know, um, back to the idea of God giving the Israelites manna in the wilderness. And the whole idea behind the daily bread was God was going to provide what they needed for that day. And they wouldn't take any extra. They would just take what they needed for that day. And then the next day they would get up and they would see that God had provided again what they needed for that day. So first of all, in this section, when we ask God for, um, when we ask for God's provision, first of all, it's wise for all of us to recognize that even if we feel like I, I don't need God's provision, I'm provided for, um, we live only by God's mercy. And so I, I've tried to make it a habit in my prayer life, even if I kind of feel like I don't, I don't need to ask God to provide daily bread, I've already got it, to still ask for that provision, knowing that at any point I could be destitute, I could be poor, I could have nothing. Something could happen to the United States, something could happen to me, I could suddenly become paralyzed, whatever it is. That could happen and I could be in a much more desperate situation. So we humbly pray for that, 
But also, this is an opportunity to recognize the way that God tends to work is not that he just gives us a boatload of what we'll need, and then we don't need to go back to him. We pray to experience union with God. That means on a daily basis, he's going to give us what we need for that day, and then he's probably going to make us wait till the next day to get what we need for that day. So one of the things that I typically do is I pray through all the things that are going to happen during my day. And I pray for God's wisdom, his power, insight, success, strength from the Holy Spirit that I need for this. Just praying through each activity, even if it's as simple as saying, um, hey, I'm going to be you know, taking my kids to school. Or if it's, uh, I'm going to be doing some sermon preparation. Or if it's, hey, I have this fun event with other people. Just praying through each element of it and asking God to provide what I need for this day. We ask for God's provision, trusting that he's going to give it. So we reflect on God's character. We yield to God's priorities. We ask for God's provision. And then we seek, I'm sorry, we receive God's forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Um, We ask for God's forgiveness. We receive God's forgiveness. And, And part of the idea here is that we humbly but confidently confess our sins. We do it humbly, recognizing that we're we're broken and we're not entitled to forgiveness, but we do it confidently because we believe that the forgiveness has already been won and given because Jesus paid it all on the cross. So just as uh, the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, we boldly approach the throne of grace, we go to God for forgiveness, and we're not just asking, we're actually in this process receiving his forgiveness. We're receiving the experience of knowing that we are cleansed, knowing that things are fixed between us, not because we fixed it, but because Jesus fixed it. And it's powerful that Jesus ties um, us receiving forgiveness to us giving for forgiveness. He, he does this also later on, right after the Lord's Prayer, um, in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6, where um, he talks about the idea that our forgiveness is tied to us forgiving others. He says the same thing in a parable in Matthew 18. It troubles some of us because we're like, oh, wait a second, does that work salvation? Um, whatever is going on, Jesus is tying the idea of us forgiving others to us being forgiven. And if you're doing this in your prayer life, so some of us, we don't like the confession part of prayer because it's very humbling. It's understandable that we don't like it. But if you're not confessing sin, you're probably not going to be terribly gracious to other people. If you are regularly confessing your sin and your failure and your shortcomings, you're probably going to find yourself being a lot more gracious toward others because you're going to be constantly having the experience of God pouring out his grace when you don't deserve it. And that's going to make you humble enough to be able to give that grace to other people even when they don't deserve it. But what I really want you to hear is that this section of the Lord's Prayer is not just about us asking for forgiveness. It's about us having the experience of receiving that forgiveness. And that might even be something that you pray, that you confess, you say, Father, yesterday I was really lazy, um, or yesterday I I, I burst out in anger in some different ways, you're confessing your sins, and then you say, and Father, in the power of Jesus, in the sacrifice of Jesus, I receive that you forgive me for all these sins. It's not an ask, and I wonder what's going to happen. It's an ask and receive. 
So, so we're almost through all this. So, so here's sort of the pattern that we've got so far. We reflect on God's character. We remember who we're talking to and who's listening to us. We yield to God's priorities instead of just coming with our own agenda. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We ask for God's provision, whether it's food, whether it's wisdom, whether it's strength and power, insight, all of those sorts of things. We receive God's forgiveness we confess and we accept the idea that God has sent his forgiveness. And then we seek God's deliverance and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And one of the things that's worth remembering when we talk about seeking God's deliverance is that we, we, sort of, we pray for deliverance frequently. Mo- most of us do. Um, we pray for deliverance from traffic accidents, Um, We pray for deliverance from sickness when we're not feeling well. We pray for deliverance from financial problems when we're jobless. We pray for deliverance from conflict and or from hardship when we're having conflict with friends or with family. So we, we do pray for a lot of deliverance. Jesus is prioritizing spiritual deliverance here. So this is not to say, hey, don't pray for being well if you're sick. Absolutely pray for that. But if we're praying for that and we're not praying for God to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, we're missing an even higher priority. Jesus prioritizes spiritual deliverance, that we are in the middle of a battle, that Satan has temptations and that he has lies, and we're very vulnerable to those. And we're asking God to lead us to a point that we don't have to keep going back and asking forgiveness because he's leading us to victory. It shows our dependence. And again, it reminds us that we're in a battle, not just to get enough money to pay our pay for our mortgage and not just to get well enough that we can go out and do fun things, but we are in a battle where the enemy is looking to undo us through his lies and through terrorizing us. And so we seek God's deliverance. And so I just want you to think about this for a second. For, first of all, remember, prayer is not simply an obligation. We Most of us feel burdened by the idea of, I need to pray more. It really is an invitation to rest and joy. And think of it, if you just said, all right, hey, there's other patterns for prayer that we can use. But think if you just said, I'm just going to do these five things. I'm just going to do these five things the next time I pray. I'm gonna reflect on God's character and just celebrate who he is. Um, Then I'm going to yield to his priorities. I'm gonna remember that there's a much bigger thing going on and I'm gonna pray for God's will to be done. I'm gonna ask for God's provision in all the ways that I need it for me, for my family, for people who are sick, for people who are struggling, for the wisdom that I need. I'm gonna receive God's forgiveness as I confess my sins and as I also reflect on any ways that I might be harboring bitterness and unforgiveness toward others. And then I'm gonna seek God's deliverance. I'm gonna pray for him, not just to deliver me from financial woes, but I'm gonna pray for him to deliver me from spiritual danger. If we did just those five things, suddenly prayer might not be quite as daunting might feel like, well, well, I could do those things. And that would provide a structure where I'm not just repeating the mantra of the Lord's Prayer, but I'm using it for its intended purpose. I'm using it as a structure and a model to connect with God at a heart level, to experience union with Him through prayer. We're going to be talking about these ideas a lot more throughout the series that we're going through, and there will be future podcast episodes where we're delving into some really practical things having to do with prayer. 
But I hope that where this one hits you is that it gives you just a sense of here's something very practical that I could do that could really open up prayer to be a joyful, restful, impacting time instead of a time where I feel burdened and confused about what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this um, and to watch this. We have uh, episodes of The Christian Contrast. We do them every two weeks and put them out. You can find them on YouTube, um, on our church YouTube channel, Life Bible Fellowship Church. And you can also find them on our website, lbf.church, or you can download the audio version of it on, uh, on iTunes or other places that you can get podcasts. Um, we put these out every two weeks and I also go back and I check the comments on YouTube just to find out if people are interacting. So if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, something that you want to put in there, I love seeing that. I love engaging with that. So we will be back in two weeks with another episode of The Christian Contrast. In the meantime, thanks so much for taking the time to listen.